Anyway, man, it's been a while. I missed making this podcast. I'd say yeah. I missed you guys, but I see you guys way too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. Uh, it's been a bit of a break. We record these in our uh, pastime. So if we get really busy, sometimes we run out of time to do it. We but. were on a break. <laughs> yeah, yes. slash I like got sick. Ralph got a promotion. And with promotion becomes becomes more responsible. <laughs> I got great really power busy. Becomes really, is the answer is I just got more busy. Um, and it makes it more difficult. But we're here. It's We're starting at uh, 11.27. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so oh, we're gonna... I did not look at that clock till just now. <laughs> you shouldn't have. I specifically told everyone, let's start as close to 10 as possible. Which, to look, be fair, I didn't really roll into the house till like 9.45 because I got off at 9.30. Yeah, there was no hope. See, when we say start as close to 10 we really just mean everybody should be in the door and sitting down relatively close to 10 and we didn't even accomplish that so close to 10 know. yeah 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 10 15 is close to 10 yeah well with my busyness i've even broken my gym streak which is unfortunate no go back to the gym it yeah shows. man <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> i am leaving <laughs> oh I hate you so much, Sean. That was brutal. I hate you so, it, so much. That does not show, Ralph. You Thanks, Greg. That's not uh, how the gym no, works. You're a wonderful Sean specimen of human being. So he doesn't no. know how the gym works. But I, I run. Once every other month? Nope. Three times a week for the past three weeks. I'm so proud of you. What, what happened show. to the weeks before those three weeks? Oh, I was getting my diet right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> this backfired spectacularly, Greg. I appreciate you going to bat for I've me. been playing hockey <laughs> once a week for the last year. That's true, though. I it's mean, like, good honestly, I need to do more, three... but yeah, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> it out of the three of us, uh, you're the one <laughs> Thanks, that I want to... yeah, because I'm in shape. I know, I know. I was gonna Somewhat. Say, I'm I... not crazy in shape. Let's he is. Out of the three Ladies. of us, you're the one that I want to fight least. <laughs> Actually, out of all of our guests, you're the one I want to fight least. It's not saying much. Everybody is pretty much smaller than you. We get in lots of a hundred percent fights that aren't fights between me and Sean. I feel pretty confident. I can lean on him. It's getting heated. Ooh, yeah. There was this last game where like the people were just. It it was more like there's just a lot of shoving, Um, and then you know sometimes someone throws a swing. I was one time playing a pickup game, and my uh, the guy carpooled with. said some uh, like got pushed or something by a young like a younger guy who was like a younger guy he was in college and beating everyone beating a bunch of 30 year olds and uh yeah he feels good about himself yeah so he's like one of those like punks that was like kind of pushing around and then like said something to him and he's one of those guys that's just stubborn you know and then all of a sudden they were fighting. I turned around, they're fighting. And I'm like, what in the world? And no one even really threw a punch. I think he uh, lots of he shoving. fell over and like uh, dislocated his shoulder. Oh, so well. I had to drive him to the to the uh, ER. You're in I the old man's him. league. Yeah, it was. I was like 19. Yeah, I found that a lot more people <laughs> at my work play hockey than I thought. Like Dude. their kids play hockey. They play hockey. They're in like an adult league it's or whatever. Preds. Dude adult leagues are legit in nashville there's a ton of them um there's two rinks and they're both full of leagues literally if you want to start a team on a league there's a waiting list that goes up to like two years Jeez, that's wild yeah uh but it's it's fun we uh 
We've only lost one game since January, so. Yeah. And I started in January. You know what? We know that we're rusty sad. because, uh, by the way, welcome to the Just Vibin <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'm I'm Ralph. Uh, to my right is Greg. Hi, Greg. Hi. Either that's a lot of B-roll or you just have no clue what you're listening to for uh, 20 minutes. That was, a, that was a lot of B-roll. It was that's a it was a optimal amount of B-roll. Yeah, Greg, the, can you take this intro and just throw I'm it at the beginning? I'm keeping my hockey comments in there. <laughs> this just, is actually keep the it outro. All in, just we, throw it at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually the outro. Uh, we, we just finished the podcast. Thanks for that. We're just going to cut this whole part off. Throw it at the end. It'll be fine. We'll redo the intro. Hi, I'm Ralph. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm so confused. (laughs) Greg, you're going to have so many notes on the edit on this one. Um, Especially since I'm editing with no notes, as told by Ralph earlier. Yeah, so normally I would listen to the podcast and I would write up some notes. First, to the right of Greg is Sean. Hi, Sean. What's up? Hi. Normally I would listen to the podcast. I'd do the timestamps for when we're getting new cuts and stuff and try to write up some notes on... Because Ralph's a pro when we are not. That is the most backwards thing. Okay, uh, I am not. Sean's a pro too. <laughs> um, the but this week it's not going to happen. So if it's sloppy, it's Greg's fault. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Any other week, you can kind of blame me. I'd still blame Greg anyway. But this week especially, Th- it's Greg's fault. Yeah, all the responsibility to the left of me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, we have a theme this week. It hits pretty close to home. It's called the best album to listen to while driving through the desert, which is where we all grew up. At least went to high school together. In Greg's in case, the desert. And I, Sean, and I spent almost all of our lives in good in old Bakersfield, desert. California, El Desert Royale. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's not quite desert. It is climate cli- like climate wise. It is mm. defined as a desert. It matters what side rainfall. of town okay. you're driving in. If you're driving in like from <laughs> L.A. It doesn't look like desert. It looks disgusting because you drive into the smog. When I mean in, you literally go into the cloud of smog and keep driving. Um, But if you drive from like north, you're in like the hills and the deserts and then you see all the uh, oil rigs and you look like you're in a movie. Um, Like in one of those movies you shouldn't be in. Terminator Salvation. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Shout out to Bakersfield and Terminator Salvation. Yeah. yeah, Providing the perfect. Genesis. It was Genesis, not Salvation. Pretty sure it was Salvation. Salvation's the most recent one. Genesis is the one that had, yeah, because he turns into the, well, okay, spoilers, turns into a Terminator <laughs> at the end. That's why it's Genesis. Oh, no. Wait, he, he turns into a Terminator? Or he was one the whole time, whatever. See dead people, what? Sorry. But- <laughs> <Dumb twist. laughs> Talk about dumb twists. How do you feel about Terminator, Alf? <laughs> <laughs> Look, Terminator 1 and 2 are great movies. I haven't seen any of them. They are great movies. Not and you know what? White and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Based fan. on the theme of our album, the fact you haven't seen 80s action movies is hilarious. <laughs> I've seen, I saw the new Mad Max. That is not, not an 80s, 80s action movie. <laughs> it's a but, desert movie. But this album would be a dope soundtrack to Mad Max. This is, this is true. This is true. All right, we're changing the theme, guys. <laughs> Best best soundtrack to Mad Max that didn't happen. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Hello, Mad Max people. If you're out there, you're I was going to say if we're up. if we're going into Mad Max world, I feel like this would be a great one. But you can't like count out that like, um, who's the Flea? Literally was in the movie playing bass. Yeah, in Mad Max. I yeah. think you kind of have to give it to Chili Peppers then. Mm. No, nah, this one's better. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Yep. 
You know what's funny about that drive into Bakersfield, though, over the grapevine? It's starting to turn green. Have you made that drive recently? I know you guys don't drive that a whole lot because you just kind of go straight into Bakersfield. No, I do it every time because we yeah, come but, in from L.A. Okay, yeah. I know you usually just fly directly into Bakersfield, right, Sean? Yep. Um, I don't. I don't. I drive a decent amount because my family's in. I have family in Bakersfield and L.A., so I usually make that trip like even sometimes four or five times while I'm out there. But it used to just be like totally burnt and dead. Yeah. So it's nice to see that there's actually some green going on. haven't had fires around there as much recently. Uh, at least near in that section. In California that section. itself is kind oh, of constantly no, 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 on fire. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, my, <laughs> I so do remember more. driving through the grapevine and literally driving past like bushes on fire, mm-hmm. like on the side of the road. Yeah. Um, yeah, yep. that was always fun and exciting yeah you, you're always like mm, is it gonna close the roads though yeah. like that's kind of the question now nah, we can make it <laughs> when, we can when make things this. catch on fire the fi- the question isn't like oh no something's on fire it's hmm i really hope it's not gonna close any of the roads <laughs> uh speaking um, of which the only reason uh or one of the main reasons why i would ever drive out into the desert um coming back from la so for people who aren't familiar with california if you're going from la over the mountains, the Sierra Nevadas, into Bakersfield, there's pretty much one freeway you take. It's the five. It goes straight through. It's called the Grapevine, and you land in into Bakersfield on the other side. Uh, there are two other roads you could ostensibly take, but you almost never because it takes so many hours to go out of the way. Yeah, it's an, it adds an extra three to five or something like that. Exactly. So the only time that I've ever taken the desert road, which will take you all the way out through the Mojave and then up through the mountains through a side route, is when the Grapevine was closed to snow which is super, super rare. But I have had to take it a couple of times. Uh, I was dating a girl who was super obsessed with Disneyland. And so we would go down to Disneyland. We'd be there all day. And then we'd get, we'd leave. It'd be like 10 o'clock, 1030, uh, sometimes even 11, depending on how long it took to get out from parking and check the roads. Roads are closed. You have to drive all the way out through the desert in the middle of the night Ugh. through into Bakersfield. And it turns that with trip into like a four or five hour, hour drive. Those yeah. roads aren't bigger or f- or whatever. No, and everyone's doing and everyone's that at doing that point. It, yeah. yeah, well, and like we're not, we're really young kids, right? Not even drinking age, and we just spent our money on going to Disneyland. So it's not like we were going to get a hotel room, yeah. right? <laughs> the solution was drive home or sleep in the car. Yeah. So yep. usually had to make it out there. But I think typically when I was thinking of this, I was not thinking of nighttime desert driving. I was thinking of daytime desert driving. No, yeah. I was thinking like straight up in the middle of Arizona, like Red Rock Desert type stuff. Or even uh, Death Valley. Death Valley. Uh, I've done that a few times coming from California out to Nashville. And uh, that's always like a desert. Like I remember the second time we drove through it, I was like, dang, this is actually really beautiful. Um, there's a lot of really cool scenery. It is kind of terrifying when you see the sign that says, get gas here, no gas station for 128 miles or something. Yep. And then you go to the gas station and it's like five to- five times more expensive than any other gas station you've ever seen in your life. Well, <laughs> that's called scarcity, folks. Exactly. Um, and it's not even a nice gas station. It's literally like, oh, this looks like it would be in the middle of that route for 120 miles. Yeah. Speaking of not nice gas stations, the other thing that we've mentioned a few times, like Mad Max, is post-apocalyptic. Yes. Especially in the fa- past few years, we've... Uh, I think since 2012, when the big like the end of the world rush was coming around, post-apocalypse has established itself as like a actual mainstream genre. And coming with that is usually two things. 
dead, barren desert, or nuclear winter. Those are like the only two post-apocalypse options we have. All the other ones, they're gone. Like New World Genesis into like crazy growth. That doesn't exist. Yeah, it's the, just... the computer's taken over. That, <laughs> like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's 2000, that's not a thing anymore. Hardline desert or nuclear winter. That's it. And in this case, we're going to go for the desert. Um, and the album that we've picked, to nobody's surprise, is Danger Days by My Chemical Romance. Look alive, sunshine. 109 in the sky, but the pigs won't quit. You're here with me, Dr. Death Defying. I'll be your surgeon, your proctor, your helicopter, pumping out the slaughtermatic sounds to keep you live. A system failure for the masses, antimatter for the master plan. Louder than God's revolver and twice as shiny. This one's for all you rock and rollers, all you crash queens and motor babies. Listen up! The future is bulletproof, the aftermath is secondary. It's time to do it now and do it loud. Kill joys. Make some noise! Well, one of the things that you'll find out about My Chemical Romance very quickly is that there are, uh, at least for Danger Days, there are three incredible transitions. One intro, one outro, and one like middle yeah, transition. And they're unbelievably good. And the way that they blend into the next song is super huge. <laughs> and so it's so sad when things break and you don't get that really good transition. All the hype just dies. <laughs> anyway. How do you really feel, Ralph? Yep. It just hurts me inside. Uh, this came out the end of our junior year, beginning of our senior year. Um, and definitely was a banner album of that time. 2010 was me finally feeling like I'm about to let go of the shackles of high school, right, <laughs> and move on with my life. So hype was was top notch. It was it was the best time to experience a lot of hype. And uh, yeah, I definitely appreciated it. That's for sure. Uh, I think we're gonna take a minute and listen to our first song on the list here. It's gonna be Party Poison. So that was Party Poison. Personally, one of my favorites off the track. What a banger. What a banger. I think you made a really good comment when we were prepping for this, Sean, that this is just second. Right, because the first one is like, all right, we're out of the... This comes after the the second transition, right? Yes. Uh, Yes. Yes. So like, yeah, they set this one up to be the, the hype track that's just like, turn it up to 11. Just like they did to Na Na Na. And it has the same feel on the choruses and all that. Might be a little bit more thrashy. 
Yeah. No, 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 actually. But. Does that make Vampire Money the third? No, 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 That makes Vampire Money the uh, um, the hidden track. The hidden track? Yeah, that's yeah. the hidden track. You unlock it after listening to the end. <laughs> Here's yeah. your reward. Well, and with uh, um, Party Poison, it's like, it's their rock track. It really reminds me of, uh, I believe, Teenagers off like Black Parade. Um. I, I don't agree with that. Teenagers was probably one of the more, like, I don't know. It's, like, mid-tempo-y versus this one, which is, like, let's play drums as quickly as possible and snare on yeah, one, two, oh, three, well, four. Yeah, but, yeah. Screw the, screw the backbeat. We're just going to play snare on one, two, three, and four. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's it's a punk. It's punk, but it's it it's rock guitars. I, I feel like. Okay, so what I'm saying with this song is like this is like their rock. When they w- went in to record um, at the beginning, they wanted to do a stripped down, more rock album. That was kind of the idea um, from the get go. Uh, but it took them a lot longer uh, than they originally anticipated. They started originally on tour for the Black Parade because they were on that tour for uh, two to more years than two, I think, two to four, something like that. And, um, they were working on uh, their next record. They had a lot of influences. They wanted to go um, more rock because they've been in uh, the emo scene for a while. Yeah, I and, would definitely uh, agree that this album is way more rock. Yeah, and it's interesting because uh, we were talking too about the uh, um, the voices you hear at the beginning of this track, and it's I know Ruffy said he had the translation, but it's like oh, it's uh, all in Japanese. Japanese. It, it's nonsense. It's just yeah, like, it's just nonsense yelling. Get into the car. We've got a full tank. We've got explosives in the suitcase. <laughs> Life is short. But let's dance. It's it's pretty interesting because they so they were working on their new album. They go and do a uh, uh, Japanese summer Sonic festival uh, in Los Angeles, and uh, they're from Jersey, and so they're out there, um, and they decide uh, after doing that festival, they're they're revamped. So they're going to do the revamping on the pre-production that they've already done. Um, They're going to go even more stripped rock. They're like pulling influences from like Pink Floyd and Judas Priest and the Hives. Um, And uh, they do a full album. They do 28 songs. Uh, Get all the way get all the way to mixing. I think you might be stealing some of Sean's thunder over here. No. Okay. Okay. They get all the way. I mean, this is they've talked about this before. They get all the way to mixing that album and they say no we're gonna scratch it and and then they the first thing they write after that is uh na 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 which we were already talking about but then this song specifically is uh the name of the character um that gerard wade plays Mm -hmm. party poison is his name yeah Um, so they all have names it's uh jet star cobra kid party poison and last one was fun ghoul he's the only (laughs) one that doesn't get a, a call out in the song titles uh, and that's partially because the other two they get a call out, but it's in the radio bit, and I think that's because they're talking. No, so, it's because they die. Oh, he says right. Jetstar Jet Star and the Cobra, Cobra Kid got, got wasted, ghosted <laughs> out on <laughs> ghosted. Route. There you go. Something. On, yeah, out on route. Something. They die, and then it goes into Party Poison. But and, yeah, I, I think that it's it's super. This song in particular, they are super self aware about what they call out. Right? They directly say. There is no DJ that's going to save me. <laughs> Very specifically <laughs> saying, hey, we're going to go for a way more rock beat here. 
This isn't a party. Get off the dance floor. You, If you want to get down, here comes the gang war. Just as much direct call out of house music or pop music or anything synthetic as they possibly can do. It's... Uh, they pull out, hey, we're going to, this is the cue for the pyros. <laughs> Just, <laughs> this is an event. The song is an event. It's meant to be played live. It's meant to be played loud. And it's meant to be experienced uh, in a way that also reminds me, as you we were saying about the theme, Mad Max. If you've seen the most recent Mad Max movie with people on cars and fire exploding everywhere while you're playing <laughs> uh, a guitar, this definitely sounds a whole lot like that. Yep. And I think it's interesting, too, because they calling out some of that stuff but they even end up calling it in reference to other albums where they got uh you're doing all right i got the answer because all the good times they give you cancer very much directly referring to black parade which the whole album was about um someone dying of cancer uh and it was interesting too i i saw a while ago um some interviews about um i Kim, and they came into this record wanting to uh have more fun and be less dark um because the the band had lots of ups and downs and i think partially because writing one and a half to two full albums scratching them and then doing a third that has to do a big toll on toll on your band whether that's your decision or not or it's a group decision like that's really tough to do um but i think it's interesting on on this record how they wanted to go more more rock more like positive less dark honestly and death. more major keys more major keys yeah <laughs> just uh so much of black parade was just not written in a major key i, I think that it's uh sorry were you gonna go ahead uh, i was just gonna say that black parade is definitely gonna be the one that they have the most mainstream recognition impact, for recognition yeah. impact right but this one holds a special place and a lot of f- huge fans of mcr and especially I think the three people in this room as this was their last album and they wrote it as a last album. Yeah. It's so rare that you get an album that's written like, Hey, that feels so much like this is their last album. This is, they're not going to write another one after this. Also like coming off of black freight and again, writing two like one and a half records and then scrapping it. Like, uh, the, the band has specifically said in interviews, like it was, it was, it was draining creatively. Like once you've, gone through a masterpiece like the black parade try to follow it up with something decided that it's not good enough to release and and like just scrap the whole thing like they were running on empty and it took a while before they they had the na 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 session and was like oh this is good and then it took uh four songs they said before they realized they're they're rewriting the record here we go and that was like the momentum that that carried them forward um but yeah i I agree with the Black Parade is going to be the most well recognized one of their career. But I listened when I when I was prepping for this, I listened through both of them, and honestly, this one as a concept, I thought was probably put together even a little better because every song had its place and everything had a significant place in the flow of the record black parade there was there was a couple there's a couple that kind of sounded the same great songs through and through but like as far as keeping to the concept and having a flow and a place on the record every song does that on danger days and it is a fantastic record to run to as well if we're talking (laughs) themes that was uh that was super helpful 
And I think My Chem as a band has always been one of those uh, groups that is able to grow really well from album to album. And that every out of all four, I feel like every album they put out at the time was the best they had done. And then the next one, they were able to top it to the point where they were willing to scrap um, work they had done because they didn't feel like it had topped their previous work. And that um, has a lot to say about like musicianship. And I, I've always held my cam at a huge regard because I think um, there's a lot of times where you try something and it doesn't work. And they were really they're they were able to realize, hey, this doesn't work and put out something else. And I think it shows, too, because one of the things we were saying, like this album kind of felt like a last album and they were on tour and they they didn't say that. Um, but one thing they did say was that they were going to release the album they didn't release um, to the public or at least to their fans when they were uh, before or when they were going to quit. And they ended up doing that after um, they toured for this album and, and they put it out and it was cool from a fan base, but it was, I think it's really cool too. That it wasn't a official release because yeah. it, it didn't hold up to any of the other albums they had did. And I think it was, it was cool. They were willing to show that process to their fans and show like, this is the work we've been talking about that we did. But then we came out with danger days, which was a great album um, for that time and a new step forward for the band. Um, also, I think it's interesting too, as we keep going through it, how they they've always pulled from different influences and Black Parade. I feel like there was a lot of like Queen involved in that and uh, very like operatic in the writing of everything. Uh, this one, I feel like there was more and more pop pulled. There's some like electronic. They even got into like a lot ironic more for synth- this song, but yeah, yes. see, I, more ironic with this song. Uh, there's more in other songs, but like some samples and some looping, and uh, it was really interesting. Yeah, I, I think it's always good when anyone is really willing to admit like, hey, we made a bunch of stuff and it was all garbage. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, we put all of this work and this investment in something and it, it shows a lot of humility. It also shows a lot of self-awareness, right? It's something that companies are not super famous for. It's, well, we have already invested so much, we might as well just carry it into the end. Uh, and that sunken cost fallacy of just, hey, we've put all this effort into it. We might as well see it through. Yeah. It's really impressive when a band decides, hey, you know what? Actually, this is trash and I don't want to do it. And it, that was it's not necessarily the feeling that we got from them that it was horrible. But MCR was very obvious. And like, hey, we just weren't feeling it. We were burnt out. What we were making didn't feel inspired. I felt like we were just kind of going through the motions. Um, and I, I would say that the the biggest thing I can remember from black parade, right. Is that they started this scene like saying <laughs> you were a scene kid felt like you had to have my chemical romance in there somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. The hair, the look, everything about it was all centered around. You had my chemical romance and 30 seconds to Mars and panic people, at the disco, panic at the disco. Yeah. You had the, maybe some fallout boy at the time. I, yeah, I'd say fallout boy. I think fallout boy was still Hawthorne in that, like Heights. Hawthorne, Hawthorne Heights. Heights yeah. yeah. Um, but definitely, you could even credit Black Parade for being, in my personal opinion, from my experience, felt like the banner of that of that that look. I keep trying to say of that scene, but the look the look was called scene, <laughs> well, so it doesn't quite work. That and way. I think it even pulls to the point of how much they have affected that genre. Is I, Three Cheers, the album beforehand, I feel like even helped start that scene. I feel like that propelled it forward, and then Black Parade capped it and said this is something you know so i think for a band to be able to do 
do all of that with just two albums and then go on to do what they did with Danger Days afterwards is crazy impressive. Um, I think that's why all their music, and that's one of the reasons why their music still holds up. Um, when you look back, sometimes different albums or different bands don't always hold up in the modern production. I think Mike Hem does a really good job of that. Yeah, things that are held up kind of by, like, by the weight of their production. Yeah. This isn't necessarily on the same band. And they write amazing songs uh, that are able to do that. And they were more focused on that than trying to produce a scene. Because instead of trying to produce it, they they created it. And everyone, I feel like more people followed them than them trying to become the scene. They started it. It was organically derived from the art they were creating rather than them trying to make the look yes. into... yeah the art the the look came from the art and it's crazy enough sorry sorry it's crazy enough too that they even uh for that um three cheers they created their look on stage from their first music video they did their first music video and decided we're keeping the costumes and we're just going to wear this on stage and then they were the first band to really do that in that scene one of the they were one of the first ones that popularized it they were also like super popular without just being metal. I feel like metal's kind of had that corner for a long time. Yeah, like look true. at Kiss. But <laughs> Yeah, well, um, and they they pull a lot of influences from the Misfits and stuff too. Yeah. Uh so that was not a whole lot about Party Poison in particular, <laughs> but a whole lot about Danger Days and MCR. We have another song up here. It's Bulletproof Heart. We'll give it a listen. That was Bulletproof Heart. And uh, I really enjoy the wacky lyricism that comes with all of these tracks, pretty much. Like Sean was saying, that the concept of this album really carries through every single fiber of its existence. You create all of the a transitions. Fake, you create a fake comic book world and you get to talk about fake comic book stuff all day long. Exactly. Like, with the exception of Vampire Money, right? Which is the one song that's just way out there in the corner that they were just like, well, we made it. So, <laughs> slapped it on there. Uh, everything else is super, super cohesive and blends together. Um, but I do think it's funny. I, I noted this in, in between that he says, uh, I've got a bulletproof heart. You've got a hollow point smile. It's super easy when I was a kid just to be like, hey, ha, 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 get it? Because it's, it's like penetrating. But then you find out more about how... Uh, bullets work and you're like actually that is not how bullets work <laughs> hollow point is not good against bulletproof vests uh, clearly not what what he meant when he was writing it but um i think saying yeah, i got a bulletproof heart you have an armor penetrating <laughs> smile is probably not doesn't quite roll off the tongue the same way doesn't have <laughs> not as catchy so i, I could see that that being different 
Yeah, and I think that this is a good example of how they updated their sound, kept it more straightforward, rocky, but was very much relevant to where music was at at the time and on the front end of that because that's when... That's like right when the pop movement started happening to like use more synths in music and all that. And we're moving out of the, oh, I just wanted a punk band on stage phase of, of music. And uh, they kept true to the feeling like a band playing on stage, even though they used the production elements to create scene changes in their, in their songs. Like this one has... Uh, like the bridge is a completely different feel because they they bring in like this this synth um and and take out some of the guitar heavy parts on it i I really love what what they did here it's just a good example of what they did for the rest of the album as well where they were able to change scenes and keep playing as a full band it sounds like them playing on stage but kept up with modern times yeah there's a this song could easily be if you didn't know what it sounded like and you read it and you told somebody that it was on the black parade, they would have to double check. Right. Because the lyrics are very easily something that could have been pulled from, from black parade minus some of the clear themes that come with the the song. But as I think of the bridge in particular, uh, where he's saying, uh, I know how much you hate this. Are you going to be the one to save us from this black and hopeless feeling could easily, easily be something from the earlier versions. Uh, and, but it's played differently. It's played like an anthem. It's played like something cheery and exciting and hopeful, even to the end of hold your heart into the darkness. Will the light ever be to shine you out? Like you're, you're going to make it. Are you going to last through this? Because I don't want to be the one left standing. I don't want to be by myself. You don't want to be by yourself, so neither of us are going to do it. We'll just stay together. We'll make it. We'll we'll go to the end, which is the opposite tonally of the Black <laughs> Parade, but easily could be that kind of super melancholy, melodic sound. And they've completely taken that and made it into something new without losing their identity along the way. Um, and it's, it's fun. It's exciting. I don't think any of these... I don't think any of the lyrics other than maybe kids from yesterday, which we'll get into a little bit, a little bit later are super deep hitting. None of them are like really going to make me go home and ponder the nature of the universe or really make me feel things that are going to last for a while. Look alive, sunshine. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to make me feel things that last quite a while. Uh, Yeah. I mean, most of them are hype, right? So none of them are going to hit me like black parade did. None of them are going to make me think about long time afterwards and really mull over the lyrical implications, but it's still just really good writing, right? It's not, it's not plain. It doesn't have to describe what it's, what Gerard's feeling, but it does very clearly paint a picture for you. It still translates the emotion super easily without just literally telling you the emotion. Um, And it's fun and has a great anthem to it. Gravity, just that first opening gravity, uh, doesn't don't mean too much to me. I'm who I've got to be. These pigs are after me. After you is a really easy line to just constantly get stuck in your head and always be humming to yourself, even when you're not listening to the track. And the harmonies are great on there too. Oh, like so the good. the almost musical theatery harmonies on top of it is just it's fantastic. We watched a video where somebody took him singing gravity and put it over defying gravity by dina menzel from wicked it was a great video of every time she sings defying 
Gravity! <laughs> it's just so dumb and so good. Uh, it's so good, but anyway. And don't forget the, the pictures of, of Gerard's face over the top of the video. <laughs> yeah, just, just appearing randomly. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, it's, uh, it says a lot to Gerard Way's writing is that he can write a whole album not as much from a from a a giant story like a theatrical view, and I think that's really hard to do in, in modern music because a lot of times it's a lot more personal or it draws from a personal feeling, and then uh, you take it and uh, generalize it so everyone else can feel those effects. But he he brings those personal feelings into these stories that he's creating, and I think it's a really cool um, way of creating music that's not always done. It's very much in the same theme of theater or rock opera. And uh, that was something that Mike Kim uh, could do really well. And um, I, I also think it was interesting. We we're talking about the positive moods. And I think one way that they're really able to catch this anthem is, is a lot through the uh, the guitar tones, especially through um, so good. Ray Toro, uh, their, their lead guitarist. And I and obviously Frank Iroh, too. But Ray, he has a lot of those like uh, big, huge uh, guitar rock walls of sound very like british very like queen it's a marshall plexi marshall he uses yeah and um i i think combined with the punk uh frank iroh is like kind of the the golden secret to mike or mike Kim's sound is uh those two styles of guitars blending together and it really shines um in this album especially with a lot of the major chords and i think it it works well with a lot of the synths and the sampling um because it can create these walls and then you can pull them away and you can recreate those textures with those synths. And now all of a sudden you're, you're changing the landscape from um, the darker moods of um, Black Parade to a little bit more uh, shiny um, movie-esque themes of uh, this album. Yeah, and, and another... I, I realized this when, you're, when we were listening to this one. I don't know if it's the same amp, same tones, but All American Rejects kind of does the same thing, um, at least in the uh, uh, like Dirty Little Secret album. I think that's self-titled. I could be wrong. No, Move Along. Sorry, Move Along. And then the, the Gives You Hell album. They, they have very similar style in the sense where it's like, all right, here is our wall of really good sounding uh, like British guitar. I, I mean, it's referred to a lot sometimes just as wall of sound guitar wall of sound uh from what they're doing i when i yeah, think but they're that, doing it right compared to a lot of bands who did not oh uh, well <laughs> and i think i was gonna name a band specifically but no i'm not gonna do that um i was but saying, yeah th- there's oh, some sorry. other bands no you're good uh there are some other bands that do that and i i think that you're right they do they manage to blend their kind of synth stuff and their guitar stuff to create something that's punchy and keeps the feeling going while without overriding the lyrics right because a lot of um, what makes it impressive is that they balance it super well. It never feels like one is completely overriding the other and becoming distracting to the point that what makes this album and this song, even in particular, so much fun to listen to over and over and over again is that you can listen to it 10 times and get something new every single time from the song. There's something new that you didn't catch the first time. Like for me, it was uh, just the the rhythm guitar on this plays super, super high at the very end on just two notes over and over and over and over again. I just never caught that. It's very simple. It's small. I just never caught it until recent when I listened to it a hundred times last week. <laughs> we decided this was going to be the, the album. Um, and it, it makes it 
it makes it continue to be engaging and exciting in a way that gives it that lasting power, right? That other music might not have just because it's not quite as complex and, and intricate in its design. And I think uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the credit has to go also to their producer, uh, Rob Cavallo. Cavallo. Um, he did both uh, this record and um, Black Parade, but he also did like American Idiot, um, Green Day, a bunch of Green Day stuff. Um, he did. He worked with Paramore, uh, but then he also did stuff like with Linkin Park, Goo Goo Dolls. Um, so yeah, very a, very much the same sound between those two, Linkin Park, Goo Goo Dolls. Exa- <laughs> yeah, exact exact same sound. Oh, yeah, like Dave Never Matthews, seen two bands Kid sound Rock. The same. <laughs> yeah. Um, so wide array, but very much had um was in depth in those uh those type of sounds. I think American Idiot is a great example of the similar things that they're doing. Um, yeah, for sure. Guitar-wise. For sure. Uh so Go ahead. Sorry. Just quick side tangent. We we were talking about how it it's kind of more theatrical in what they're doing. Their uh their inspiration to kind of like scrap and redo and and make this uh, a concept album um in the theatrical form actually came from an interview with Ridley Scott the the director of Blade Runner when he was like, "Oh, no, I need to I need also to fight alien. for this. Yeah. I I need to fight for this and I need to uh like make it into something I can be proud of as an art form. And uh, so anyways, he, he pulls a bunch of inspiration from him and, and it kind of, you get a little bit of that in, uh, in not gravity, what is it? Bulletproof heart. And ah, what's it? What the only one for me is you, I think is that the beginning? No, only hope for me is you. It has like that blade runnery thing at the top of it. Just a little side tangent. Yeah, no, definitely. That was one of the ones that when I was realizing how many holes in 80s action that Greg has in his watching history was one of the ones that we brought up because this is so clearly pulling from those sources, right? They have light guns in their hands, Super Nintendo light guns in their hands. So it's it's super of an era, what we might call it, um, even to the point that when they picked their post post apocalyptic future, they didn't put it that far in the future. It's more like what the eighties <laughs> would have thought the far flung future would have been. But this was 2010. They picked 2019. Yep. I, I don't think they actually thought it was going to become the apocalypse by then, but because they're going for the eighties feeling a lot of those eighties post apocalypse movies had wild ideas about what 2019 was going to be. Um, and now we're here and it's man way more depressing than we thought it was going to be. <laughs> and isn't Blade Runner wasn't Blade Runner set in 2019? Yes. That yes. was the other connection. Yep. Exactly. Um okay, I know so a little bit. Congratulations. You haven't seen it though. <laughs> I've seen We're going to move half. on uh to Kids from Yesterday. We'll give it a listen.
around too. <laughs> Kids from yesterday. Yeah, it, it's funny. Jared actually said the 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 whole phrase, "What is a kid from yesterday?" And his answer was like, eh, "It's just an adult." Yeah. A kid from yesterday is an adult today. So it's just looking at the life and where they've been. He also mentioned that when he was writing it, it was just a really deeply personal song, right? It wasn't necessarily something that he planned to be the banner album of the band's goodbye, but it happened to be that, right? It was more of just a, he wanted it to be the single. He thought it was the more important song. Obviously, for the ability to market the album, they chose Sing <laughs> and other things like that. Because, well, I love this song. It's definitely not what you would consider traditionally sing or single material. Right. Um, but it's a great send off track. And, in, and we were talking how it, it's like the perfect credits roll song. It's yeah. like got a Breakfast Club vibe like no yeah. other because of that unapologetic <laughs> 80s thing. Well, and it's got lines that that hit really, really hard. Some that are kind of like cheesy, right? The you live forever and the lights you make. It's kind of cheesy and silly. But uh, once it's like you only hear the music when your heart begins to break. Oh, yeah. It's like a really, really tough, tough, uh, tough line to swallow. And it's it calls back to everything we've always said about the music, about all when we were doing that series of introspective albums. This isn't one of those. We haven't had to say that in a while. But when we did a huge series of introspective albums. That's just like the number one thing that's true about it is that you really don't feel that music until you're in the right moment to have it hit you the hardest. Right. You're either in love or in pain. And one of those two creates a great song. Well, and I will even say that we were all in our senior year when we were listening to this album the most. So this song was yeah. literally us listening to it as we were graduating high school. Yeah, we thought we were getting old at that point. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Then is when we thought we were we getting were so old. so young. <laughs> yeah. But there's definitely some nostalgia to that, right? Like this, we talk about it being a credit song. It was the credits of our high school as we moved on to go to college or other projects or whatever else we ended up doing. Yeah, and then we make that vampire money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so it for me, it sticks out quite a bit and it has those memories of like hanging out after school and with friends and realizing that we're all going to go our separate ways and stuff that kind of bittersweet nostalgia to it. It does still have that. I mean, I know we haven't talked about the theme at all, but it does remind me of driving with my friends after high school, going out to places that like one weird summer that nobody talks about that happens right after your senior year. You know, it's like the weirdest summer because everybody's in limbo. You don't know where anyone's going or you kind of do. Well, and everyone's like, hang out. we actually have freedom now. So, like, let's hang out a ton. But then at the same time, you're like, but we all are leaving. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, slash yeah. none of us left. But that's a different story. I, I mean, we all the people in this room. Yeah, okay. we didn't leave town, but everyone started doing other things that we weren't together five days out of the week, at least. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of my very close friends also did just genuinely leave um, and weren't around anymore. And that's <laughs> there's a lot more counterculture to this than nostalgia. I think that it's nostalgia because at the time we were listening to it, a lot of their counterculture is like, hey, you know, the media really likes to focus on all the things that suck. Uh, it's really easy to get drawn into TV and um broadcasting and entertainment to not really think about what you're swallowing when you're just watching whatever comes up on your tv if you're just absorbing whatever news gets thrown your way it's easy to, to drown under that it, it's a very 
it's a big message with a lot of My Chemical Romance. Counterculture is a really big thing. It's the reason why all of those awful scene outfits were just, it's just who I am. We're all created, right? <laughs> but uh, it's still a, a decent message to have. Like, hey, it's easy to feel like, especially here in the year of our Lord 2019, to be a little depressed by some of the news that continues to circle around. Uh, it's good to remind yourself, hey, the thing that really matters is the light that you're putting out. The light that you have, the influence you have on other people, the kind of person that you are. If you can focus on those things, then each step gets a little bit easier. It's going to be really painful in the moment. Of course it will. But every step can get easier if you just remember that what's more important is the light that you're constantly trying to put out. Look alive, sunshine. Yeah, 109 in the sky. And I think... won't quit. You're talking to me. Dr. Death Defy. I'll be your surgeon. Your proctor. Your helicopter. All right, we got to stop. <laughs> we'll go through the whole thing. <laughs> we do not have these lyrics pulled up in front of us. Do not. Absolutely don't. I just happen to know that. <laughs> so does Sean. Uh, Greg's over here like, why am I friends with you guys? Yeah. Well, you know I was going to stay with the nostalgic point, but... <laughs> We're uh, moving on. Yeah, uh, weird. I wonder how that feels, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Sorry, hey. I just actually had some points today. Like, not <laughs> usually. No, you're good. Go you're ahead. good. Uh, Do you have I anything else nostalgic a- to add? I mean, I was going to say, like, is um, in some of the other th- uh, thoughts that he, or like statements he put out about this song in particular, they they were saying that this was one of their favorite songs. Partially, it was kind of a we're being okay with growing up and uh i i like this line that he said that um this was their most immature mature record uh because it was fun but it was also mature they were all grown up like they wrote this in their 30s which is kind of weird whenever you think of emo bands and it was always like a an interesting thought for me growing up was like these musicians were writing kids for teenagers and high schoolers but they were all in their late 20s, 30s by the time that they were getting these songs out there. So they either need to be like living in those times or like reaching back with the youth. And uh, so it's cool to for them to kind of be like, we're cool with growing up now. Cool. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even... Um even their their last song, I think, really defines that. I, it's really hard to not to talk about this album and not at least mention Vampire Money. But when we talk about Immature Mature, uh, very it's a very famous song. They got asked to do a song for Twilight, which if you don't know what Twilight is, bless your pure, wholesome soul. Uh, and they decided... People know what Twilight is. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> but they decided to write the song instead. Uh, it is trashy and awful and hilarious and great. And I will let you all listen to it on your own time. (laughs) (laughs) But moving on, uh, let's go through some runner ups here. I know we had some solutions. Uh, Do we have anything else we want to put in an MCR before we move on? I know we're running out of time here, but if we have something else we want to bring up, we can hit it. (coughs) All right. I'm going to take my empty coffin to the void as no. (laughs) What about you had one, Greg? What was your runner up? Uh, Yeah, my runner up would be uh, Songs for the Deaf. Uh, by Queens of the Stone Age. Um, great album. Uh, I think it was uh, written in 2002. I think it was one of those original. I Queens of the, or uh, Mike Ham didn't say that they pulled from this, but I feel like there's a lot of like 
a lot of the radio references a lot of the this album was literally written to be like listened to like as you're driving through the desert queens of the stone age are actually from uh just a little south of bakersfield um and they still record there um i wonder if that's where our favorite pizza shop is I'm not sure. I don't remember the exact city, but I know I've heard weird stories of people going out there and recording with them. Like they still record there. They've always recorded there. They've always had a desert sound. Yeah, desert Fraser rock Mountain. Sound. It's definitely Fraser. I think it's, I don't yeah. know if that's for. I don't know Fraser if that's where Park. this person is, but Fraser Mountain is where our pizza place is. Yeah. Mountain Mike's or is it Mike's Mountain? It's one of those two. It's something like that. I think it's Mike's Mountain. Mike's Mountain Pizza. Yeah. yeah. But also features Dave Grohl on drums. Ooh. Ayo. What about you, Sean? You got a runner-up? Yeah, El Camino, the Black Keys. It's like basically meant for a road trip. And I, whenever I think of driving through the desert, I think of like the cross-country road trips that I took to get out here, go back. And a lot of that is desert driving. And like the kind of like rock with a little bit of hip-hop influence that El Camino has is like perfect for that. Yeah. Uh, mine's a bit of a cop-out. Well, it's not really a cop-out. I picked the house that dirt built by the heavy and the reason why i think of it is dirt. specifically well yes but specifically <laughs> the borderlands 2 trailer when borderlands 2 came mm. out featured a song called short change hero where they're riding a train through the desert and there's a tumbleweed and all this other stuff so like that image is just so perfectly burned into my brain that i automatically associate those two things it also works well Obviously, which is why they picked it for the trailer. But yeah, it was it was super good. Just like you know, ain't no rest for the wicked. It's perfect for that too, because you know, Borderlands One featured that one in their trailer. True. There's also uh, Bioshock Infinite. They they featured Nico Vega's uh, Beast of America, Great which band. also fits Nico Vega. Yes, good band. Um, which is also like very heavily in the sky and bright colors and sunny and deserty with sand. So. Sync is where it's at, guys. Especially the Heavy Man. That album, they rolled in sync. That uh, How You Like Me Now was literally for every movie trailer for like five <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah, before we started getting into these weird like grunge covers of older songs. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, uh, hopefully it won't be as long before our next one. We're going to try to maybe do a double header this week. We'll see. Might try to hit it a little bit later in the week and get another one out so that we can not be scrambling to try to edit these things last minute, which is usually our, our, our problem. Try to get ahead of the curve. We'll have to hit this one today, one Friday, and then another one Tuesday. And then we'll finally have our buffer back of not having to rush to edit things. So hopefully we can do that. Um, if not, I mean, we're going to do it when we can. We still love putting these things out. Just don't always have the time to do it on a weekly basis. All right. Yo, it's breezy. <laughs> it's breezy. <laughs> Uh, hey, Schwinn, do you have anything to announce by the time this comes out? When do you think it's going to come out? I mean, it should be Friday, ostensibly. No, I got nothing. Not yet. What about, <laughs> what about Kaviv Ship? <laughs> I've been fighting um, a website that is not to be named for months, for weeks on my release on Spotify. So. When is it dropping? I technically um, dropped already. It dropped like three <laughs> weeks ago on SoundCloud, but Spotify's had a lot of problems in Apple Music, and so hopefully this week. I've said that for the last three weeks. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So you should let us know because yeah. that album's fire. It's Yours is good. pretty sick too, man. Thanks, dude. It's great. The one that nobody can listen to. <laughs> it's on SoundCloud. It's the mm, 
Don't advertise people trying to farm a deep link. <laughs> Fair. It, it's in there. Uh, it's in there somewhere. Uh, yeah, but this has been the Just Vibin' Podcast. I'm Ralph. You can find me on Twitter at, at the ninth Ralph. I saw uh, Schwinn Music posted an Instagram story. My gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Sean Music. S-H-W-N Music. Schwinn Music. S-H-W-N Music on Instagram and Twitter. And I think you can do the same thing on Facebook. Or you can just search S-H-W-N and I'll be there. What about you, Greg? Uh, I'm just I'm just Greg. You can find me at a coffee shop spelled C-V-F-F-E-E-S-H-X-P. On SoundCloud. On, <laughs> on SoundCloud and Instagram. Hey, yo. See and you on know. all your other music listening sites. I have other music out there, too, besides this album that is not. Most recently, a Christmas album. So if you're not done with Christmas, check it out. There it check is. Check it out. <laughs> uh, that's just on SoundCloud. Um, I got to work on those rights <laughs> <laughs> yeah let me just pull out that that hot peanuts money so that we can start getting those those, those exactly. song reservations but yeah all right guys thanks for joining us we'll catch you next time later <laughs>